<laughs> yeah, five billion things to talk about. Well, yeah, that's true. First hour of the podcast normally is just us talking <laughs> just about things. Just talking, and then we <laughs> then we get into the movie. Well, yeah. Hey, maybe we'll be a little more concise today, but who the fuck knows? Probably not. Hey, folks. Hey. Hi. Welcome back to Ryan Johnson Month. Is it? Oh, is Ryan. It? Ryan Johnson Ember. Ember? <laughs> you tried. You really tried. We had Spooptober, and now it's Ryan Johns Ember. Yep, and then we're going to have... Because Ra- we watched the amazing John Nathan. You're right, yeah. So it so can it be c- the it am- continues. It can be the Ryan Johns Ember. And then we're going to have our Pat Ember. Our Sember. Pat Ember, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't, can't wait. What, what podcast is this? This is the, the gimmick cast. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the gimmick cast. Uh, I'm Andy. I'm Sammy. I'm Raymond. And this has actually never seen any of this. Oh, good turnaround. Yeah, yeah look at that. <laughs> oh my god, so professional. Yeah. It's been two weeks since we last wow. recorded. I mean, it, not yes. for not for them. No, maybe, you're, but we, you're bad at this. No, I'm just talking about that we haven't seen each other in two weeks. So. That's true. We did not record last week. Raymond, right. Raymond went Raymond on a fun little trip. trip which was, right. Yeah. It was um, the... My second anniversary with my girlfriend, Cute. who uh, I found out a couple weeks ago is now listening to the podcast just to listen to us talk. So, Aww. hi, hello, Jessica. Hi, um, <laughs> hello. That was Barb. <laughs> she's uh, she's from the Portland, Oregon area, so we decided to go for like four days to Portland and hang around and do a bunch of stuff there. And I was real jealous of all the food pictures you were posting. Yes. You really yeah. go to some fancy places. Kind of. So yeah. We spent quite a bit of money, <laughs> but that was also the only thing we planned. Right. So uh, once we ran out of like, all right, we went here for breakfast, like, well, what are we going to do until lunch? We didn't budget for anything. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Portland, Portland stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we ended up doing all sorts of stuff, but it just was like, every time we finished a meal, it was like, all right, we've got like four hours until the next one, so how are we, how are we killing these next four hours? Did you go to that bookstore? Pals? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I bought Pals a book, I could but live I, there. I, I couldn't live tell there. you the name of it now, because I forgot. I, I could live there. Pals is where I purchased uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Nice. Yeah. I yep. purchased uh, Good Omens from there, so. I buy, I go every time I go to Portland, I usually buy at least one book, mm-hmm. but I'll spend an hour in there deciding yeah. what I'm buying. Right. Which is what I did. I feel like the last year I I'm subscribed to a bunch of subreddits that are like science fiction books and fantasy books and like any and then everyone I follow on Twitter that's like a comic writer or an author, anytime they anytime they recommend something I'll just screenshot and save it. So I just pulled out my screenshots and was like, all right, what books are here that I could buy? Right. Yeah. I, I, I got lost there the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is fine, because, I mean, getting lost in a bookstore is always fun, so. Definitely thought you meant the TV show Lost. I got lost when I went there. I <laughs> bought like, the whole series. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have the box set or something? <laughs> no. I physically got lost. Oh, uh, yeah. I got, yeah. I got turned around. I was like, how did we end up back here? But, oh, I do that every time, but yeah. I just, I'm like, well, half the way, the way they store books in there will be like, the same things will be in different categories. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, yeah. wasn't I already in this section? Because I've seen the same book here. Right, nope. yeah. Different yeah. section. They have a graphic novel section, but it's separate from where they have the new graphic novels, yep. mm-hmm. and they also have a superhero section, which mm-hmm. is separate from the graphic novels, so yes. But it's an entire block worth of books, yes. so it's worth it. Yeah. No, Powell's is great. Uh, did you get any voodoo donuts while you were there? No, we planned on it, 
and then it just we ended up getting donuts from a different place that was not in Portland directly. How so, dare yep. you? <laughs> yep, there was like four things on my restaurant list that we ended up cutting just because it was not close by anywhere where we were. Yeah, Voodoo Donuts is good, but hot take, overrated. I the mean, one time I had Voodoo, I thought the same, but I have not. I've only had it once. They're good donuts, but they're not worth waiting an hour in line for. See, I didn't have to wait an hour when we went, so it was like it was like okay. a ten minute wait, and yeah. then we got it. So if you can get to the one that doesn't have a huge line, it's good. But I went to the one at because they have one at both Universal Studios mm-hmm. in Hollywood and in Florida, oh, and we went to the one in Florida, and mm-hmm. there was no line, and it was like, oh yeah, this is worth it. Yeah, fun. yeah. Good, I got there time. with the bacon maple bar one. Yeah, and that one's yeah, really good. good. Uh, any of the cereal ones, those are good. The one time I went, I had one that was a... It was a dozen that the employees picked out for you. Oh, oh cool. And you could make some recommendations if you saw anything you liked, but otherwise they were just kind of throwing whatever shit they wanted in there. Yeah. So I had a double bubble donut. Ooh. It was... Like gum on top of? Yeah. There was an unwrapped double bubble in the center. It was like the icing on the donut was bubble gum flavored. Oh. Uh, it was not good. Yeah. <laughs> but it was an experience. You take one bite, and you're like, that's absolutely bubble gum. Yeah. And put and it back and you throw it away. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, uh... We've been watching some stuff this week, boys. Yeah, yeah. since we've had two weeks, bit. two weeks of watching things. Yeah, well, I we... thought I thought for sure I'd watch more, but I really I'd only seen three things since then. So, well, hit me with it. Okay, what have you seen? Um, hit it. So the first thing that um, I I'm the only one that has seen, so I'll start with that one. Is I took my dad for his birthday to see the movie Midway, which um, <laughs> Andy's like. Artie is like it's a bad movie, but <laughs> I've heard it's unwatchably bad. But so. Yeah. When I went into it, I was I, w- I looked at the score. the The critic score was forty percent, but the audience score was ninety percent. Mm. And I can't ass- trust that. And no. I'm assuming it's because well, it's a war movie, and it came out on Veterans Day, and everyone went and saw it for the reason like, yeah, it's a war movie. And when I went, when we sat down, we went and saw it in Dolby, which mm-hmm. I mean, with a war movie, you should see it in Dolby because like at True. least the war scenes are really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was all old people. Yeah. Okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was. My dad and then me and then a bunch of old people. Yes. My dad's not an old man. He's he's forty nine young. Forty nine. <laughs> but I. So what I did like going into it was that there are a lot of famous people in it. Woody Harrelson's in it. Mm-hmm. Patrick yeah. uh, collecting that Patrick that's Wilson. Crazy. Yeah, Patrick Wilson's in it. Um, the Ajax from Deadpool's in oh, it. Oh yeah, Ed Screen. Uh, I not enjoyed him in a single thing <laughs> since Deadpool. <laughs> he wasn't. He was the main character. He did okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Jonas is in it. Oh, okay. um, well, now I want to see it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Bless you. Thank you. You should have just sneezed over here. I didn't want to sneeze, sneeze into the, into the, the microphone. Sound. Come well, on, get it on air. I don't want to lose our five <laughs> listeners. Hell, even my girlfriend will turn that off. <laughs> I'm trying to think who who else was in it. There's just there was a lot of famous people in it, but they definitely were phoning it in. And I would yeah. say the person that was phoning it in the most. Woody Harrelson. That does not surprise me. <laughs> they did a good job picking, because at the end they always do classic, they like show, this is who they really were. Uh-huh. And oh, they did yeah. the side by side. They did a really good job picking people that look like the people that they were playing. So I feel like, I don't know if that was the reason that they chose those certain people, because they did look a lot like them. Um, but past that, I mean, I would say Patrick Wilson did a really good job, because he was playing the guy that was trying to convince people that, like he tried to tell them that Pearl Harbor was going to happen and no one listened to him, and then Pearl Harbor happened. And then he was like, and then they were like, then Woody Harrelson's character was like, fine, we'll listen to you when the Midway thing was happening. Because um, that's when it all takes place, is Pearl Harbor onward to Midway. 
I do love um, me some Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson's great. great. Yeah, yeah. He, he he really gave it his all, which was cool to see. But it's it's all about these um, pilots trying to get back at the Japanese for um, bombing Pearl Harbor. But what I did enjoy from it, so the acting was probably the, the acting was not great. The, I, I would say, I mean, I still the 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 thing that was you like win some, you lose some. Right? right yeah. The, the the war scenes are pretty cool. I mean, I think if it wasn't Dolby, I don't know if it would have been as good because of like the punch that Dolby mm-hmm. can give you with yeah. explosions and stuff like that. But I did like that they they showed the Japanese side of everything through the whole thing. So it wasn't just like. America, yeah! Like, the whole time, everything, it was also showing what the Japanese were doing and why they were doing it. So I thought that was very interesting, that they, like, explained why the Japanese decided to do what they do. Like, we, they went to war because America was where they got 80% of their oil, and then America cut them off from their oil, Mm. so then, like, we have to go to war because we need that oil. So, like, it really did a good job of, like, showing both sides of it. And, um, Mm. I th- the other thing is really cool is that Midway was a 1976 movie with a bunch of famous people in it too. Yeah, um, but a good in, film. Yeah, in that movie they happened to come across the carrier ships that were coming to Midway to attack Midway mm-hmm. because at that time that's how they thought it happened. That they just were like like it, we think it's going to be around this area, but they didn't have like GPS at that time, so they like happened across it. Well, since then. And they explain this, like, in the credit read thing, like, this man went on to graduate from college and, like, those whole things, uh, like, the yeah. great music is playing or whatever. But the, the Patrick Wilson character, um, it wasn't until he was a lot older, it was in 1985, that he wrote the book about how it was all thanks to the Codebreakers. Oh. And it was the Codebreakers that deciphered where they would be, and they listened to the Patrick Wilson character, and they're like, they're going to be here. And they're like, okay, and they went, and they were there. So it was really cool to see they updated this movie from the original because of new information that had come out in that 1985. Cool. So that was really cool to see that like they showed the whole codebreaker side of things of them trying to decipher any be- bits of messages from the Japanese that they had gotten to try to like decipher what was going to happen and trying to figure it out and then deciding if they should listen to them or not. And then and then there was all the war like I don't like you because you're how you are, Maverick. And then he's like, Iceman, you. And then at the end, they're like, we're actually friends. Like, that whole thing happened in there. But it was uh, the guy from Glee, and I can't think of what else he's in. Um, but There's lots. He's uh, not the dead one. Well, not the dead one, It wouldn't no. be that guy, would it? <laughs> no, it sure wouldn't. Not the one in jail. <laughs> no, I can't think of what else he's Mr. been in. Mr. Shoe? No, no. Mm. It's, um, All right, then. I won't try to figure it out. But there was more famous people. But some of the deaths were pretty brutal. We have to stop this podcast. I need to edit out the part where people know that I know Mr. Shoe's name. (laughs) It wasn't Sue Sylvester. It wasn't... uh, Move on. This is not the Glee cast. It wasn't Artie. This is gimmick cast. This is not our gimmick this week. (laughs) Save that for High School Musical, the musical, the series. Don't even get me started on High School the Musical, the musical, the series, Raymond. Because if I was going to be talking about High School Musical, the musical, the series, then I would have spent the last 11 minutes and 10 seconds talking about the High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yes. Jeez, Raymond. (laughs) What have I done? (laughs) So some of the deaths were brutal being PG-13. Like, Nick Jonas gets captured by the Japanese, and they just tie him to an anchor and push him overboard. Yeah. (laughs) Like Jonas dies. Jonas doesn't make it. Oh no! <laughs> and then there was spoiler alert. Sorry, I, I know you guys aren't going to watch it. So um, maybe so, you convinced me. Overall, I it was a very I think a good war movie, and like the there was the um, the whole like emotion like between him and his wife, those kind of scenes. But I don't think it like really pushed it like 
it like didn't spend too much too long on those like it didn't have too long of a beat of like oh you're supposed to feel the emotion here mm-hmm. like it had those scenes but it didn't like stay on them too long it mm-hmm. didn't like it's make not it a, over cheesy or anything it's not like that. a flags of our fathers right it wasn't like yeah oh i love you so much and then it's like sad music and then they move on like it didn't have that at all so i mean that was i honestly going in like oh the critics really didn't like this i would say the main thing is that most people were phoning it in or didn't do a good job acting acting uh-huh. other than that i thought it was a good a good war movie i think i was trying was to convince my dad now. that he should just watch that instead of watching that pearl harbor movie every year because he likes to watch pearl harbor on the day that pearl harbor happened huh. like but, pearl harbor yes movie? And I was like, you should watch this instead because it starts out with Pearl Harbor and then goes through a couple more battles and then does Midway as well. You should just watch that instead of sitting through three hours that Pearl Harbor movie, which is only Pearl Harbor for 10 minutes and then a romance movie for the rest of it. So I would say it's it's a good... It was a, it's a Baymans. It it's a Baymans. Yeah. What? A Michael Baymans. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, I would... It's a good war movie if you like war movies. All right. So, that was the first thing I watched. And then the next two things I I watched, I know um, Andy has seen both of these, so we can both talk about them. Hell yeah. Um, So the first one is uh, for my wedding anniversary, we uh, went and saw Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. And I'm very um, jealous. I'm, Andy and I didn't go. It wasn't Andy and, and my wedding anniversary. Andy and I didn't go for Sammy's <laughs> wedding anniversary. We, we did, did go on the same night. We did go on the same night. I texted him that we were seeing it, and Andy was like, well, I'm seeing it at 10.30. So we only <laughs> missed each other by like 30 minutes. But but, but I saw it with my fiancé. Oh, good. And you saw it with your wife. Well, we, we imagined we were with each other. Right. But <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, what do you think of Jojo Rabbit? Uh, it's probably my favorite movie of 2019. I wow. think I would have to agree. It might be my favorite movie. Endgame, I think, probably is just a little, just because I'm a nerd and Endgame is probably a little bit higher, but Jojo Rabbit's really up there. It is It is a, um, who does Fantastic Mr. Fox? Why am I blanking on his name? Wes Anderson. It's a Wes Anderson movie with Taika Waititi's humor. And yeah. it does, and Taika Waititi, I think, did, has the, like the emotional impact a lot more in it too. But it uh, is like you're going like if you like Wes Anderson movies, you're really gonna like this movie. It's very much like a quirky, yeah, it's very quirky. Yeah, and I, right. And I know a lot of people were concerned because it was like the tone of it uh-huh. is not, it is not the normal uh, Holocaust film no, that you no. would expect. No. The you know quirky a little kid in a not Nazi uniform with imaginary friend who's funny Hitler. Yeah. Like, a, you hear that premise mm-hmm. and a lot of people would turn, that would turn them off uh-huh. mm-hmm. and they would go away and I feel like if you don't know who Taika Waititi is, mm-hmm. it, yes, I understand why you would write this movie off but Taika Waititi is so perfect at it and mm-hmm. he, na- yeah. he's, he nails the tone so perfectly and it's, and yes, it is funny mm-hmm. but it's also like pretty much half a drama as well. Yeah, it really, so like, it it really has packs the a punch with the emotional stuff yeah. when it when it needs to. And a lot of that, it, it kind of is a big tonal shift when that happens. Like, it's, like, funny, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, this is really uh, serious. But uh-huh. it, like, works really well because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, just going with this kid who thinks he's a Nazi, and, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, funny, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, he, like, this is during, like, when the Nazis in Germany, so then you're like, oh, wait, this is, like, serious real. time. Yeah, it gets real, yeah. and... Yeah, and it's a it's a World War Two movie that's PG thirteen, which I also was thinking is something that you don't normally see because usually often, yeah. if you have a Holocaust movie, you're going to go for the uh, the graphic nature of it because mm-hmm. to help, <laughs> you know, it, it right. makes an impact if you're going to show that terrible terrible stuff. Right. But I think this movie makes just as much of an impact 
without any gore or violence. Right. It has one F word, and it's probably the best use yes. of an F word in a PG-13 movie ever. It awesome. is. It's so Fantastic. Good. It yeah. is the first time in a while that I've been like, you use that F word exactly how it it's should like be It's like a used. cheering moment <laughs> yes. in the I, yeah. I'm glad both of you liked it, because all the criticism and early comments I had seen about it online from the film critics and people I follow was that they were the consensus was like pretty divided when mm-hmm. I couldn't even I couldn't tell you like I couldn't pick who would have felt which way based on what they already liked yeah. out of Taika Waititi it was I, either they they thought it was like one of the best movies of the year or I saw several reviews from uh, critics that I usually like agree with mm-hmm. very much that were like I don't get it I don't see yeah. why I don't see why anyone thinks this is good. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a surprising take. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that same thing, and I'm mm-hmm. just as confused by that because mm-hmm. yeah, I, I loved it through the I, entire I, thing. Because I, I did read some people say, or reading, read some reviews that were saying, like, the tonal shifts didn't fit well. And I could uh-huh. see that you could think, like, that it could come off that way, that some of the humor doesn't fit right. But I, 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 I was all on board for it. And I think... Yeah. Every per- person in this movie, like, killed it. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Sam Rockwell... Was awesome. Um, Steve Merchant's in it. And oh he's yeah, fantastic in it. And mm-hmm. even the two little boys who aren't really haven't really been in anything else really. Are... I know one of them just looks like Nick Frost, but it's a yes. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's basically if if Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were in a movie when they were kids, uh-huh. this is what it would be because yeah. he looks exactly like Nick. I Frost. saw an early and basically acts like Nick Frost in the movie, right which on is great. Reddit. Right after the original trailer came out, it was like the top rated comments on Reddit were like. Man, I can't believe the whole budget of this movie went to de-aging Nick Frost. It worked so perfectly. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. He was so funny and so great. It was, yeah. It, it's an incredibly charming movie. Mm-hmm. Which you wouldn't expect. Yeah. And I feel like that's the problem that a lot of people are having with it is uh-huh. like, oh, I shouldn't think that this child who's a Nazi is so cute and charming. Right. But I think that's kind of the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people are saying that didn't get the point of the movie. Yeah, yeah like I mean, that's kind of how it was during World War II as well. Is like yeah. the kids were like, "This is Boy Scouts." And yeah, like, literally. Hey, yes, this is yeah. Nazis. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I think that's what the movie's trying to say. Is like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Nazis were terrible, terrible people, but people were so blinded mm-hmm. and they were in so much over their heads that like they were still people. Right. They knew what they were doing was probably wrong, but what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I. That's why I don't see. I understand why so you would have a problem with that in mm-hmm. 2019 because, hey, Nazis are coming back for some reason. Right. Um, but I feel like this movie, the message of it is so exactly what we need mm-hmm. to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. It's like if you're paying attention and you're getting the message from this movie, then you understand why it was so crazy mm-hmm. and why, hey, let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then one more person we have to talk about it- who gets shit on quite a bit recently was I thought Scarlett Johansson did really good in this movie. Yes, I was telling Emily. So she shouldn't speak when asked about things that aren't movies. <laughs> yeah, she digs her own great. Yeah, yeah. I was like, these are the roles Scarlett Johansson should play. She, she is like not super, take on any of the other roles. She's she super quirky, super weird, but she's like really so funny. good yeah. in the movie. I'm like, yes, this is the perfect role for Scarlett Johansson. Why doesn't she just do roles like this? She, you know, she made a whole like career out of doing. Indie, indie, quirky yeah. movies, you know, and before she became, it. you know, the big action juggernaut that she's, you know, become at this yeah. point from Marvel. Mm. Like, she made a whole career, like, the first decade or so of her career is doing kind of, like, quirky comedies. Yeah. And she does great in this. Uh-huh. Yep. So, that was one that I was like, I, we should say, because people have been shitting on her recently, which, I mean, some of it is... Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah it's warranted. warranted so. uh, <laughs> but yes, great movie. You should check it out. Um, I, I'm excited. We can to. talk talk yeah, about it more once you've it seen it. Um, then the last thing I watched, uh, Disney Plus dropped um, recently, so you know I had to watch the Even Stevens movie. No, I'm just kidding. That's not you what didn't I watch. I, I will watch it, but yeah. <laughs> that's not what the main thing that everyone's excited for. Disney. Plus. You didn't watch Candleshoe. I didn't watch... Uh, you didn't watch Gargoyle? <laughs> I didn't watch uh, Tailspin. Like I didn't watch Darkwing Duck yet. I did. Yeah, I know you did. I watched an episode of Darkwing Duck. <laughs> when, when Andy came over today, I was watching an uh, episode of X-Men, the original TV show. So. Yeah. <laughs> but what's the main thing we watched on Disney Plus? Main maybe? thing was uh, The Mandalorian was the thing that we watched. Yeah. Speaking uh, of Taika Waititi, he's in it. <laughs> He sure is. He sure he shows up. I I had heard that he was. There are so uh, many famous people in this first episode uh-huh. that aren't even like main characters. I'm sure they're only going to be in that episode. Just but shout out they just like cameos. show up. Do you just know to who show the first up. alien guy is? Um, he's famous. The farmer. No, the, so the we're going to refrain from the spoilers. Yeah, we're going to try not can because yes. Raymond has not yes, seen it. Please don't. But there's a the ca- blue one. The blue guy. No, that's Horatio Sands. Oh, <laughs> and, and it, I was like, "Why do I recognize this guy's voice? Because uh-huh. he's in yeah. like full alien makeup, right?" And uh, yeah, it's Horatio Sands. And then who's the one that's in the speeder? Um, oh, that's um, uh, Brian Posehn. Brian Posehn shows yeah, up. Yeah, he posted a photo with himself on the TV. Yes, that's right. Yeah, before, right before I watched that, I saw that and I was like, uh-huh. "Hey, great!" And then uh, I think this, I think this entire episode could have been absolute garbage nonsense talk that makes no sense, and I still would have given it a ten out of ten just because <laughs> of uh, Werner Herzog. Uh-huh. In this episode, yep. just hearing him say Star Wars gobbledygook is so <laughs> pleasurable. Yeah, it's great. And then Nick Nolte shows up. Yeah, Nick Nolte's there. <laughs> and then, yeah, then Taika Waititi is. And then uh, the main person, the Mandalorian, is Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. Pascal, and he's uh-huh. great. He's a great Mandalorian. Um, I would say that this episode is very much just a tone it episode. Is a, it is a pilot. It is, yeah. show, it just is showing the tone of the show. Not a whole lot happens, mm-hmm. but it really sets up what the rest of the show is going to be, which is what a pilot should the be. The end oh, of this yeah. episode is a huge kind of cliffhanger, and it really made me go, wow, I wish I had the whole series to be yes. right now. Oh, yeah, I was That's like, exactly I need to watch, yeah, I need to watch the next episode. But which, I'm okay with not having it, because then we get to spread it out until which I, I, January. I, I get binging, but I think every show should, on streaming services, should do that, because it's just so much better to just be able to talk about, like, because yeah. when Stranger, have, when Stranger Things happens, you're like, I watched three episodes, well, I've watched five, and I can't mm-hmm. remember what happened at the end That's of three, how three episodes. That's took over, and right. every Sunday on HBO, yes, yeah, every exactly. Monday, people had something to talk about. And right. people, yeah, and and like Stranger Things is like there's a week of talking about it and then everybody's watched it and moved on so all the yes. theories are out there all the think pieces are out there mm-hmm. everyone's talking about it for about a week and then it's like alright and then it's a year before you get more it. like yeah. Stranger Things would like I feel like it'd be even more popular if it had done the week by week mm-hmm. just cause people were loving that show and just getting to just only get it week by week and I think Mandalorian will really mm-hmm. benefit from that as well yeah uh, you can so will High School Musical the musical the series cause it's only week by week as well so right, we'll do. We'll talk about that we, one. But we're not talking about High School Musical, the musical, the series. Not right yet. Now. Yeah, not, not yet. yet. Sorry, I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> There'll be an episode just for by itself, just for High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yes, um, I think the Mandalorian. You can tell that uh, Disney put their money into this because uh-huh. it looked like a forty minutes of a of a movie. There That's were awesome. some special effects that didn't look so good, but reminded me of the. Prequels. They were trying so then I was to like, look like the right. Prequels. And then I was like, oh, it made prequels, but 
Well, no, I guess there was like the little monster things that he wrote in, wrote on. Oh yeah, at the end. I that, like that those was very, things. I thought they were good. It's just that, that it reminded me kind of of the prequel mm-hmm. graphics, and I was like, I'm to, I'm totally down with that because it's just like a callback to what the prequels. Sure. And then there was a lot, a ton of callbacks to the original series, yeah, just characters yeah. and things in the background and stuff, which was really cool too. But so I was I was down with all of it. I thought it was. Really cool, and I'm really excited to learn more about like Mandalorian lore because I don't know any. The only person I know is Boba Fett, <laughs> so like I don't know anything about them. I so. I know an Easter egg. Ooh, in the episode is uh, this will make no sense to Raymond, but no. the the doctor that shows up when he's talking to Werner Herzog. Okay, it walks into the room. He's wearing a uniform, uh-huh. and people online pointed out that it has the symbol and is the same uniform that they're wearing on Camino. Oh, okay. I don't know what that means. No, interesting. But uh, we also don't really know who that character is after this first episode, so it'll be interesting to see if they tie it back to that somehow. And all the characters, I'm like, will they show up again? They may not. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? I think it's only an eight-episode show for the first season, so we shall see. Yeah, Um, that was really great. My verdict is that this show fucks, and (laughs) I am on board for it. I am down. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna watch it? Hopefully. Okay. You just don't have Disney Plus, that's why. No. You can come over to my house, we'll watch yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Just like I'm going to do Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. We will, Ray- t- we Raymond? will get to that. Raymond, who watches The Watchmen? Not me. Not, not us. No. Andy and only Andy. <laughs> I think that'll just be our recurring thing. Every week we'll just say that, and yeah. it'll only be Andy. Getting real tired of watching the best fucking show on TV by myself, and then not having anybody that knows Watchmen to talk about it with. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all right. All right. That's all I watched. I have excuses, but I'm still sorry. It's okay. I, <laughs> I don't have excuses. Yeah. I'm just sorry. All right. Raymond, you right. watched anything? Uh, not, I mean, as usual, not a lot, but uh, I did see a couple things in the last two weeks. Um, while we were in Portland on our last day there, we had planned to do like a, they do this thing called like a Saturday market where it's like a giant craft Mm-hmm. fair, farmer's market, everything is, like, food trucks in this whole part of, like, town that's, like, blocks wide, and we get down there, and then all of the vendors my girlfriend wanted to go see weren't there, and started pouring <laughs> down rain. Oh, no. Like, well, we already did breakfast, so, or lunch, so I was like, well, we've got, like, five hours until we do dinner, so what are we gonna do? And so my girlfriend bought tickets for us to see Terminator Dark Fate, because we had both wanted to oh. see that. And, uh... Andy, you've seen this yes, as well. I have. And I am yes. not. So the last Terminator movie I saw was the third one. <laughs> so, How many others have you seen? I we've already talked about this, and I don't want to out myself on the podcast, but I don't You've think only I've seen, seen the third one. I, I think the third one's the only one I've seen all the way you through. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a lot of the first one and uh-huh. a lot of the second one, but I don't think I've seen them all the way through. Well, you'll so. have some time to catch up because uh-huh. it doesn't sound like they're going to ever make another one. Which is, oh, that's okay. not true at all. <laughs> is, oh. is it still Paramount that is making them? Yeah. Because it's the only thing they got, so they're probably going to make one in like another three years. Yeah, the last two have also failed, and you know what they kept doing? They kept making, making more. more. So this one failed. This one failed more than any yeah. of the others. Oh, uh, money wise. Yeah, but story wise, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I think this one works the best since Terminator Two. Yes, by far. And I thought because it is Terminator Two, isn't that kind also kind of? It's yeah. I saw the biggest praise and the biggest criticism of the movie is the same thing. And it depends on how you feel about Star Wars The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. which is that it is Terminator's The Force Awakens, okay. yeah. which I'm okay with. 
Right. Because yeah. you know what? I love The Force Awakens. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. It wasn't a perfect movie. This Terminator Dark Fate is not a perfect movie, mm-hmm. but it does follow. It's It understands that the best movie in the franchise to date was Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And mm-hmm. so I went, how can we hit all the same story beats of Judgment Day, mm. and bring back some old characters, and do a reboot sequel? Where yeah. they, it's a whole, it ends with a new character that can do a new franchise, but they've brought back old characters, and they've hit the same beats as T2. Which, I loved what, it for. That is it's, Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. So it's, Terminator 1 is a, is like, I mean, it's, um, it's essentially a horror movie. It's like a slasher it's, movie. It's like, yeah, it's a yeah. sci-fi slasher movie. And it's the same thing that happened with Alien to Aliens, where it's like the first one's a horror sci-fi-ish movie, and then the second one becomes... Straight-up like, sci-fi. Yeah, straight-up sci-fi. Thriller. Or like, yes. And it becomes like about the main character fighting back. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a different tonal shift. So T2 is a movie where Sarah Connor is like, I don't want to be chased by the Terminator anymore. I'm taking action. Mm-hmm. And she, Linda Hamilton, got fucking ripped. and Which she also did for <laughs> yeah, this movie. Yeah, she did for this movie. And she gets to do all sorts of fun, like, action sequences in T2. And she gets to have, like, a big part of the story. Whereas in the first movie, she's mostly just running and being explained to, like, everyone has to tell her what Terminators are. Yeah. yeah. So that's the biggest criticism, I think, of T3... For, and then Terminator Genesis, which was also like a reboot sequel, mm-hmm. uh, where they also tried to do Terminator 2, yeah. but they, they the, the biggest problem with them is that they forget why Terminator 1 and 2 are good. They go, oh, robots are cool. That's what makes this franchise work. <laughs> I, and I, it's not that. I feel like they also are like, oh, people like the, Termi- like the Terminator for Schwarzenegger. Uh-huh. And he's not the only reason people no. like Terminator. Terminator 1 and 2, especially T2, has a great story. It has great action set it's, pieces, and they're not, it's, it's how not he, just the robots. It's how he interacts with the other characters in the yes. story, not just Arnold. It's, it's the relationships between those characters that are what you like. Right. Oh, I've seen Salvation. I forgot. Yes. I, I guess everyone forgets because that movie is <laughs> yeah. garbage. So I've seen three and four. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all, mad at myself. I feel like that movie is like <laughs> I didn't see Genesis, so I can't see you've seen the worst two. Yeah, okay, but I'm yeah, a, that yeah. one is also supposed to be very, very bad. Yeah. I, I feel like Salvation is not a terrible movie. It mm-hmm. just does not fit at it's all in the Terminator. No, no, it's not a Terminator in, movie. In the I mean, does it take place entirely in the future? Yes. I can't remember. That's it's, what I thought. It's yeah. pretty much like a futuristic war movie. That's basically what I yeah. with Christian Bale yelling at people about the lights. Yeah. That's what I remember about the movie. I watched it once, and I, I remember Christian Bale's in it, and mm-hmm. it's in the future. There's a really bad CGI Arnold in it. Yes. Oh, I, I At the very that. end, yes, yeah. there is. Yeah, uh, Terminator Dark Fate is a movie that I feel like understands what was so good about the first two Terminator movies, mm-hmm. especially T2, which is that as much as it is a story about killer robots coming back to the past from the future to kill someone, hunt them down and kill them. It is also like a story about someone taking control of their own life and like finding purpose in what they're doing and Mm -hmm. making the most out of their situation and being like a badass at it. Mm -hmm. And so in dark fate, you get Linda, Linda Hamilton coming back, which she hasn't been in a movie for Terminator since judge. She hasn't been in movies in a while. Right. She shows up every now and again. She was in Chuck as yeah. Chuck's mom, <laughs> which is a fun stunt cast. Um, that was, God, that was probably over a decade ago now yeah, at this point. Yeah, that was one of her more recent things uh, she's been in. Yeah, she gets to kick ass in this movie. She's As, great. Yeah. 
And you get Mackenzie Davis as a new Terminator. Not well, she's not a Terminator, but she's, she's like a hybrid. A, she's a, she's an android based human mm-hmm. uh, mixture, and she's fucking. The only thing I've seen her in is AMC's *Halt and Catch Fire*, mm-hmm. which is a show about like computer programming. Yeah, and she gets to be super ripped in this movie and do tons of cool Terminator style action sequences. Yeah, you get Arnold coming back. How's Arnold? Uh, Arnold? Right. Yeah, I love Arnold in this movie. He knows what he's doing. It's very different from anything else he's yeah. ever done in the mm-hmm. franchise, but it's it's really good. I like I like Arnold in this movie. He a gets lot. to come back. He gets to do a bunch of nods to the original movie. He gets to poke fun at himself. I do think it's I do think there's something very strange that they do with his story that I'm not completely sure why they do it. Are mm. you gonna see it? I mean, someday I gotta see one and two first. Essentially, there is a storyline about him having a wife and child. Uh, okay. I know why they've done that. But it's very, very reminiscent to what has happened to him in his real life. And I'm like, why would you call... Why would you call, why would you, uh, call attention to right. the fact that you have a love child, Arnold? Because <laughs> that's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh-oh. But, uh, yeah, there's that. It was strange, but it's also kind of funny. So. Yeah, he gets to do a lot of fun things in this movie. And he also gets to... He gets to... Turn the turn the tide a little bit on what he's known for mm-hmm. as this aging action hero. He yep. gets to do all the cool Terminator stuff, and he also gets to do... He also gets to be dad. Yeah, he also gets to be dad. He also gets to be very funny. Daddy? Mm. <laughs> he's always been dad. There's, oh, okay. there's a whole thing where he's like... He's started a new life as like a normal guy who runs like a drapery and upholstery business. And there's a whole scene where he's just, like... Talking about drapes? Yeah, it's, and he makes it sound like it's, like, a life-or-death situation. He's trying to describe to someone about, like, no, there's all these important choices, and you can't go back on them, and he's really just talking about upholstery. <laughs> great. Yeah. It's got... I think Dark Fate's got a lot of great action sequences. I mm-hmm. think they made it work very well for how they work it into the story, because they introduce... The whole setup for the movie is something that's not in T2. Mm-hmm. So they work it... To, like, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes plausible enough sense the way they incorporate the old characters into the new thing. Here's my biggest problem, mm-hmm. is that I think that the the best action sequence in the movie is the first car chase. Yeah. I think that is the best, and I think that the rest of them are kind of... They're, they're fun, but they're not as good as that first right. one is, so it's kind of like... You get that problem of, oh, the greatest has already happened, and then it's all right. a little disappointing after then. I like their new Terminator. That's, yes. that's their new version of Robert Patrick's liquid metal guy. I think he's like cool. Make a clone of himself. I think he's yeah. cool, but I don't think he's different enough from Robert Patrick. No, that's the problem. That's the problem. Is he's still it's pretty much just the same piece. I did yeah. like that he is basically unstoppable. They do not stop him in this yes. movie. Yes, Damn, they get he, that. They never, and if that's that's really the fear of the first Terminator. It's is, not about T two. Is that it's no not matter about, what you do, yeah. he's coming. It's mm-hmm. not about killing him. It's about get away. As, put, put enough space between mm-hmm. him and you as you can. Yeah, cool. I I really enjoyed it. And I, think, I I don't. I saw there was a lot of criticism about it because it's like uh, Force Awakens, but yeah. I thought that was a great choice for them to go with if they're gonna if you're gonna ape a different movie's mm-hmm. reboot sequel path that's the way to go i think that um this movie does really well with its metaphors because mm-hmm. uh, t2 did really well with its yeah. metaphors and james cameron was talking about it recently he's like it's not a coincidence that i dressed robert patrick up as an lapd police officer uh-huh. because i wanted to show people that he is something to be afraid of because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the lapd is shit and was mm-hmm. at that time. 
And in this movie, he's dressed as a border patrol agent yep. for a lot of it. So there's a <laughs> lot of, you know, callbacks and metaphors and symbolism there with border patrol mm-hmm. and kind of stuff like that. There's a lot of that going on in this movie. And I think it works really well mm-hmm. while serving the Terminator storyline. Right. I, it was the first... I mean, granted, I didn't see the last... No, I, I guess I saw um, the Christian Bale one. But I didn't see Genesis, and 3 is a bad movie. Yeah. So this is the first Terminator movie I've seen in since T2, when I was a kid, that I was like, I'm excited for more mm-hmm. Terminator movies. And they've had a hell of a time making them. And I think that's the problem, mm-hmm. because... it. The last couple movies, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks cool. And then they were very disappointing. Right. And so when this mo- the trailer came out, I was like, this movie didn't have great trailers. It was also, I saw the same trailer for like six months. Yeah, yeah. The I, marketing... I saw a one, I, I saw a movie later and yeah. I, I ended up seeing like a second trailer and I saw some different trailers like in the last month through like YouTube, like 30 second mm-hmm. trailers. But in theaters, I went to the theaters like, Five or six times in the span of five or six months, and I kept seeing it. The same first trailer over and over. The marketing shit the bed on this one, and I think that's the problem because a lot of people were just remembering the last three were so bad. It doesn't show enough of, like, it's it's a good tone trailer, but it doesn't show enough of what the movie's going to be. Yeah. And so while I think this movie is great, Mm -hmm. I think it's ultimately going to fail because people just don't have faith in the Yeah, I read something that Midway is going to do better than Doctor Sleep and or did better i don't know if it actually did yeah. veterans we will weekend. talk about the marketing for that movie in a yeah. Bit, yeah but yeah that's that's basically my thoughts on yeah. terminator dark fate i yeah. really enjoyed it and I, I hope there is another one that isn't just another reboot sequel yeah i would rather have a new sequel to this movie inc they said at last point this movie's gonna lose 15 million dollars or something Gosh. like that which is the most that a terminator movie has lost for uh the studio so we'll, we'll see we'll do t1 and t2 for the podcast since i haven't seen them hell yes <laughs> yeah, that's a good double feature yeah, yeah it is um i also saw last night in fact i saw a long shot the seth rogan comedy oh no oh. which i've also, seen, also that. seen when did you see it i saw it when it came out in, in may, may? Yeah. yeah okay i i didn't even look at it when i rented it last night i was like man i can't believe i waited a whole year to see this and my girlfriend turned to me i was like that came out this year yeah. It's like, what? And I looked at it, it came out in May, which I saw three movies in May in the theaters, and I was, I remembered after that that I had been debating seeing Longshot as well. Mm, yeah. But I saw Detective Pikachu, I saw Godzilla, and I also saw John Wick 3 in theaters all within, like, one month, and I mm-hmm. totally forgot that Longshot even, like, it came in with. I remember yeah. seeing the trailers and being like, this looks like a fun time. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard early critical buzz from, like, Festival screenings that it, it, it was premiered like, at South by yeah that it was South like what? very Southwest. good. Southwest, oh. mm-hmm. it's it was that it was a very good Seth Rogen comedy because he's he's had a, a bit of a hit and miss mm-hmm. with those lately. I think what was it, Good Boys? Yeah, that came out this was it. I thought he just produced that. Was it yeah, good? Well, he only I thought that one was one good. Was it not good? It's, it also, had mixed reviews. Oh, yes. Okay, I haven't. I didn't see it. Middling reviews, but yeah, this I thought it was. I I thought it was a good time. Uh, the director is the same guy that he's worked with that did 50-50 yeah. and um, The Night Before and oh, This love, Is The I End, like the which <laughs> I like all three of those movies, yeah. and I think those are three of the stronger outputs that Seth Rogen has put out that he has produced that star himself in them that are, they they um, walk a fine line between being like 
a raunchy comedy and also having something poignant to say, which I think is... Sausage Party. <laughs> I enjoy Sausage Party. I, will only, I, I only I watched think, it once, and I think I will only watch it once. <laughs> I have not gotten myself to watch it again. Yeah. I had a... This, I remember seeing Sausage Party after Andy had already seen it, and he said, I'm going to tell you what happens in the last five minutes, and nothing is going to be... You're still going to be amazed yes. when it happens. Yes. And I was right. Well, yeah, you told oh, me yeah. exactly yeah. what happened. I think you the, did the same thing to me, yeah. too, and I was like, it still it's, was You're still shocking. not going to be ready. No. Like, a week later, I saw the movie. I knew exactly what was going to happen in the last five minutes of Sausage Party. I was waiting for it to happen, and I came up, and I went, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a, it's a miss for me, but I I like the interview, but the interview is also not a very good movie. I don't think overall. I think which it Seth Rogen also too feels. much controversy around it. Yeah. Yes, it was crazy. And uh, I thought Longshot was it's believable, mm-hmm. which is it's a movie where the title of it is exactly what the movie is about, and it's yeah. also how everyone feels when you look at Charlize Theron as the romantic interest of Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it's a long I, shot. I think I agree with you. It, uh-huh. They have really good chemistry. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting them to. No, and it's... it's She's apparently, like, a very fun person to work with. Yeah. And Seth Rogen's, like, a very, like, reportedly very nice guy. So it's yeah. good that, like, they were, like... They had such good chemistry that you're, like... It's, you know, this this shouldn't work, but it does, and that's the chemistry you need for the movie. It seemed like it could have been the kind of situation where Adam Sandler always casts, yeah. like, a beautiful woman to be his <laughs> wife in movies, and it's like, she would not be married I mean, like, to Adam Sandler. Like the murder mystery movie with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Well, every movie that he's with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, it's like, that doesn't make sense, but, and then, so it felt like it was going to be the same sort of thing, uh-huh. where, like, oh, Seth Rogen cast Charlize Theron because mm-hmm. he wanted to be in a love interest to uh-huh. Charlize Theron. But it's it's incredible how much chemistry they right. actually have, and, and it not really only works. that, she's very funny. She's which really people funny. Talk about all the time now because she's got like an online presence, and she shows up in like YouTube shows like mm-hmm. Hot Ones, where she's very funny. Mm-hmm. And she did press for this by going on Hot Ones mm-hmm. to talk about how she would say things that like grossed out Seth Rogen. He could like not <laughs> compete with her. Yeah. So I'm glad that we get to see now that she's getting older, we can see roles from her where she's not afraid to. Or she doesn't feel like she can't be that kind of character. Because mm-hmm. she... I feel like this character... While it wasn't written by Seth Rogen, he did... Him and uh, his partner, Evan Goldberg, did produce it. And they probably had a hand in how it was written. But they did a very good job, the script writers, of making Charlize Theron's character be, at one time, like a very funny believable character while also being she is the secretary of state and mm-hmm. you believe it while like it doesn't feel like it's a it's it's just a role she's playing it feels mm-hmm. like she is that person yeah which is impressive to do in a raunchy comedy where seth rogan has a scene where he shoots come on his own face <laughs> so that was my question was going to be how is the humor in the movie because it sounds like it's, it's believable and it's the drama's yeah. good but it's, the it's raunchy humor. it's very funny uh it's so funny. Every time Ice Cube's son comes up into something, oh, yeah. I'm like, how do I know this man? I've seen, he's in Godzilla King of the Monsters, and I, in that movie, I did, who is this man? And then I look it's up and it's like, Ice oh, Cube's Shane son. Jackson Jr. I'm like, how do I know that name? And then it's like, oh, Ice Cube's son. And then he starts talking. I'm like, So the, that happened in the beginning of this movie. I forget his face because I'm just like, I rec- why do I recognize him? And then he starts talking. I'm like, that's Ice Cube. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Cube's son. But yeah, he plays Seth Rogen's like, best friend in this movie. Which is a, it's a fun, like their whole their whole uh, dynamic is that whenever they have like a bad day, they get super fucked up together. Mm. And so it's like the beginning of this movie is, is Seth Rogen <laughs> quitting his job, 
And then, like, they get really fucked up, and he ends up, like, meeting Charlize Theron, but they're both very drunk. So they get to be, like, the whole first 20 minutes of the movie is them getting to play drunk, which is very <laughs> Yeah. Who plays the president in this movie? Is it Bob Odenkirk? It's Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember if that Funny, was this a, movie. a Trumpian character. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. It is very funny. As soon as he showed up, I was like, oh my god, Bob Odenkirk is president. He's, like, very in love with his uh, TV career. Like, and he wants... was a president on TV. Yeah. Like, a TBS He was, like, show. a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now he wants to go back to being on TV because uh-huh. it's easier than being the president. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Um, the only problem I have with the movie is actually... Something that happened to me while watching the movie, which was I rented it through Google Play, mm-hmm. and it's only available in 4K. I've never had this issue before, but I rented it, I started playing the movie, and then all of the white levels were entirely off. Oh, weird. And uh, that means everyone who is a white person is red. Oh. Uh-huh. What? And it turns out that's a problem that uh, I'm going to face in the future if a movie is encoded too well for my cheap-ass Chinese TV. Oh, no. <laughs> I have a 50-inch 4K Roku TV, yeah. which, it's it's good. I've never... I own 4Ks. I've never had a problem before. I've rented 4K movies before, but apparently Longshot is encoded and shot so well in digital <laughs> video wow. that the encoding process means my, my TV cannot process the amount of white-level colors. Wow. So I literally had to change all of my settings on my TV to watch the movie, because after, like, 20 minutes, I was like... Why is Charlize Theron red? <laughs> Every scene had like a red hue to it. Seth Rogen had like an entirely red face. Bob Odenkirk was entirely like drowned out in red hues. Like, it is entirely weird to watch oh, the movie. Yeah. yeah wow. Otherwise, and then t- I, once I changed all my TV settings, it was managed. It still wasn't right, but everyone looked kind of white instead of red. So I was like, this will <laughs> work. But otherwise, I thought it, it's, it's a movie that plays a very predictable rom-com story plot mm. outcome. Yeah. Where if you know how a romantic comedy works, it hits all those beats. And my yeah. girlfriend and I literally joked to each other. We were like, she she was loving the chemistry between the two of them. She's like, oh, this is so great. It's like, wait, Seth Rogen's got to fuck it up. Yep. He's got to fuck it up. He's to fuck it up somehow. It's like, and yeah. Then they'll fix it at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she's like, I don't want him to do that. I was like, we haven't hit the end of the second act yet. He hasn't <laughs> fucked it up. Yeah. But I mean, if you like romantic comedies like that, it's yeah. exactly what you want. It's exactly yeah. what you want, and it excels at being that thing. Yeah. And that's exactly what I feel like the rest of the movies that have been done by this this specific team of people has been. Fifty mm-hmm. Fifty, I think, is a great Seth Rogen produced movie that is a drama and a comedy about like a very serious subject while being funny at the same time. Yeah. The night before, same way. You know, it's it's I think it's more on the comedy side, but it's also dealing with like a serious subject. Mm-hmm. And this is the end is like is the original basis of the story is, like, what do you do with your friends when you, like, don't like being, like, in the areas that they live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens when you get older as friends? So even that movie, which ends up with, like, a BDSM slave Channing Tatum, has, like, a nice <laughs> thing in it. And, like, the whole underlying message of Longshot is, like, Seth Rogen's character learning to, like, accept that he's got biases... Yeah. And, like, he's prejudiced, and he needs to, like, he's so insecure, he needs to open up and start loving himself. That yeah. is the basis of, like, what the movie is about. And so I'm glad that can all exist in a movie where there is a central plot point where he shouts, oh boy, and comes in his own beard. <laughs> and you see it multiple times. Yes, multiple times. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and then very quickly, the last thing I watched, um, I just finished today before I came here, is a Netflix show called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. I know 
Have you guys seen it? I know, Sammy, I don't think you have. I think we talked about it a little bit a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, it is a new food show from uh, chef and personality David Chang, who also is um, the host of the show Ugly Delicious on Netflix, which is a whole mm. show where he, like, goes around to, like, inspecting other people's, like, the different multicultural foods that have made it into America and inspecting, like, the high end of that, the low end of that, the, or- the origins of that, the fusion foods that have come out of that. A whole, like, the, there's a pizza episode. The first episode of Ugly Delicious is him, like, going to Italy to see how pizza was originally made, going to a pizza place in New York, delivering for Domino's, and then, like, going to Japan and eating weird fusion pizza. Mm. So, uh, this show, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner, is a... They're longer episodes than Ugly Delicious, but it is... Well, it's got three meals. Yes. And they are... It's a very short show. Well, there's only five episodes. Like four or five episodes. And it is... The concept is David Chang joins... Like, he, he brings a celebrity with him to... Who is, like, a friend of his, or he, he knows fairly well. And he takes them to a country, and they eat a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and explore the country together. So the very first episode is with Seth Rogen, and they go to his hometown in Canada. Oh. And the whole movie, I mean, the whole the whole episode is, while it's talking a lot about Canada, it's also, like, it's at least about an hour long, and about 45 minutes of that is them doing, like, a very deep discussion about, like, what it means to be an artist and, like, what it means to be creative and mm-hmm. different roadblocks they both come through in their life. And Seth Rogen talks about how he doesn't like the interview, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I like the interview, and he champions Sausage Party because that's, like, creative freedom at its most pure for him because they right. they worked, like, a decade to get that off the ground, but it's yeah. not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas he talked about how he wanted, uh, like, Sony, I think it was Sony that put out the interview. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because it was hacked. That's it was the part of that deal. whole That was the whole deal. Leak. Yeah. Um, but he talked about how they were, like, as soon as they told him they wanted to make a movie about, like, them going to North Korea to visit Kim Jong-un, Sony was just like, make the movie. Mm-hmm. and no one ever questioned anything he did, and he wanted more people to be like, are you sure about that? And then he like it would have been a stronger creative process for him. Right, yeah. So it's interesting to see his creative mind think that Sausage Party is a better movie than, yeah. <laughs> uh, than the interview is. But yeah, every episode is like they get to do fun stuff, and they get to talk about their own careers, and you get these really in-depth interviews with people who you might not necessarily get one with. It's like the second episode is with um, Chrissy Teigen, mm. and I've 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 seen her online. She has an online presence at this point, even sure. though she was a model. She is known for being like an online Twitter presence and, and food yep. personality. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you get to she gets to talk a lot about her own life. And the last episode has Kate McKinnon, who doesn't do a whole lot of like interviews, and she gets to talk about like what she thinks is funny and like That's her cool. personal problems and yeah. how she approaches comedy. Mm. So they're like. They're, the food is a background. They get to talk about different cultures and why they're there in the place that they're exploring, the country they're in. But it's also like a 40-minute interview with like a cool person. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah that's what I've been watching. Great. Cool. Well, we talked. I talked about a lot of the things that I've been watching with you guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, so I think really all I've been watching is still watching Watchmen. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It's it's great. I think this week. Sorry. Sorry. This week's episode, episode four, was the oh, first geez. one that felt like filler. Uh-huh. Uh, but the first three episodes are like absolute home runs. Hit it out of the park. Also, now it's a terrible show. I don't need to watch it. No, I'm just kidding. Because even like the the weakest episode out of all of them is still better than most TV shows episodes. Uh-huh. It's still very good. 
and I'm still very excited to see where this show goes. Um, so, still loving Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I'll try and catch up. No yeah. promises, because I probably won't, but I'll we, try. We promised every episode, and we sure haven't done it. No. And then, uh, I guess really the only thing that we haven't talked about is uh, I saw Doctor Sleep. Right? Yeah. Which, did you did you end up finishing the book, or did you end up just I did not finish it? the book. Okay, yeah. Um, but I wanted to see the movie, and yeah. I hear that was the right choice. I heard the book is only okay. Yes. I've heard the book is also only okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, <laughs> I liked, I was excited for Dr. Sleep. I was optimistic. I'm a big fan of The Shining. And I know that this is really being marketed as a sequel to The Shining. Yeah. Right. Um, I know Stephen King really dislikes the Stanley Kubrick movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fans of the book really dislike the Kubrick movie. Uh, and I, I mean, probably diehard fans, because, I mean, I like both. I understand it, because the book redeems the Jack character and has a hopeful outlook. Kind of. Mm. Sure. And the movie doesn't... Compared to the movie. (laughs) Compared to the movie, The movie, yes. Compared to the movie. And I I understand that that's why it's a very personal story for Stephen King, so I can understand why he would sort of feel betrayed by that. Mm. I just think that The Shining, uh, Kubrick, is a better storyteller, and it's a better movie. That's like a better uh, story. Roald Dahl with Willy Wonka. Yeah. He thought Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was his, like, he was his prized book, and then Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out, and he thought it was, like, a garbage movie, and he yeah. hated it the rest of his life. Yeah. And the <laughs> Tim Burton movie is a good adaptation of, of that book. book. Right. But a bad movie. I still like that movie. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I think I have the nostalgia for that movie. Yeah, but yes. I also have yeah. a giant collector's version of Willy Wonka in my right. apartment where Gene yeah. Wilder stares at you. The I mean, time <laughs> the so. it comes down to it. I'm going to pick Gene Wilder every exactly. day over Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have a mash of both of them because I yeah. feel like the songs and stuff, because I, I've read the book, like uh, having those, the actual, the songs from the book in the movie is really cool. I think there should, they should do a combo movie where they mix it together. Yeah. Both, good parts of both. Well, then you might like Dr. Sleep, because I think that's exactly what it does. It takes good parts of both and gives you the best of both worlds. Nice. Great. Because um, I really, really, about halfway through this movie, I was like, wow, I really, really like this movie. I hope it doesn't fuck it up in the last half hour. Mm-hmm. And I will say that the third act is the weakest of it. Mm-hmm. Which goes with all most Stephen King things. But <laughs> that's <laughs> also where yeah. it, it completely goes off track from the book. Uh, because okay. they eventually, without spoiling anything, they have to go back to the Overlook. Right. And the Overlook is not there in the Shining book universe, because at the end of the book, they blow it up. Mm-hmm. And, and so down, yeah. they need to yeah. find a way in the movie to go back, because you can't have a sequel to The Shining and not and have, not it, the hotel. And have it not be a sequel to this Stanley Kubrick movie. Right. right. Um, so I think that they handle it pretty well. It's kind of a throwaway line on why they have to go back, but as a fan, I was having so much fun at that point that I didn't really care. And I think the the new characters that it introduces, this movie is not, a, it's not scary, in my opinion. Right. It is way more of a sci-fi, it feels almost like an X-Men movie. So that's exactly what I saw from the trailers and what we kind of talked about when we first saw like the trailers in the podcast was like they make the shining seem like a superpower yes Mm -hmm. which is kind of what the book is and i think it works really well and the story building is really really good and they and they do that really well because honestly this movie doesn't feel like a sequel to the shining until they go back to the overlook Mm -hmm. right and uh while i still enjoy that part because i'm a fan of it and i think what the movie does really well is it gives you all the nostalgic stuff that you want in one fell swoop nice gives it you all of it and it's like all right now let's move on Mm -hmm. so you get everything that you want but it's not spreading it over an entire movie yeah 
honestly, if you didn't know this was a sequel to The Shining, and this movie just started with The Shining stuff, it would be insane. You'd be losing your mind. Mm. Because two-thirds of this movie is its own thing. Right. Dan is... It's grown-up Dan Torrance, played by Ewan McGregor, who does a great job. I'll watch him in anything. My boy. Mm. And he's not... I mean, he is the main character, but it's not his story. Right. And I think that works better because he can have the background of his story kind of serve the overarching story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson plays Rose the Hat, who's basically a vampire that kills and eats children. Right. Oh, wow. And that's where I was like, this seems like they're making The Shining like a superhero, uh, superpower, yes. and then these villains a, are coming to like take it, their power. It is a B-movie sci-fi premise, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but done in such a good way, and the acting is so good that they sell it. That it's like, yes, I understand this is insane, right. but they sell it so well, mm-hmm. and the world building is so good. Uh, Mike Flanagan is the writer-director, mm-hmm. and yeah. he did Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. he did um, Gerald's Game, mm-hmm. he did uh, Oculus, and uh, the second Ouija movie, which is an Ouija. incredible horror movie. Yeah. The second I've one is very, very good. The second one is amazing. The first one is trash. Ouija. Yeah. Um, but so I was like, oh, Mike Flanagan, I trust him. He had yeah. done already an unfilmable Stephen King story with Gerald's game uh-huh. very well. So, um, I think he had an impossible task and he did a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. So I think this movie was marketed very poorly because the first trailer was like, oh, that's kind of interesting with hints of the shining. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then everything after that was full blown. This is a sequel to the shining. It yes. shows you everything. And all of those second trailers, all the posters were throwbacks and like yeah. trying to recreate shots from the shining yeah they um and so i think the marketing they they were in, going in the right direction for what how to market this movie and then they were like oh we need to just capitalize that this is the shining that people know and they just go full force on that last mm-hmm. last act right and i think that a turned off a lot of people mm-hmm. and uh i don't think it sells what the movie actually is because i right. think it's a good mesh of both um the there are characters from The Shining in the movie, and they don't de-age anybody, and they don't, they just recast. That's I've seen a couple screenshots, and it works mm-hmm. really well in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the same as de-aging, and you can tell that it's not the same person. But the people that they cast do such a good job at getting the essence of those characters, right? That I think it works just fine. Um, so That's ultimately if a movie is good enough, it doesn't matter to you. Exactly. It's only, it only is a problem if it doesn't do it well. Yes. Uh, I, th- from what I read in the book, uh, I like what it cut out from what I had read. I read maybe a third of the book Okay. and it spends a lot of time setting up that, Hey, Dan's life, he's an alcoholic just like mm-hmm. his dad was and his mm-hmm. life is shit and he's a drunk and he's always sick and nauseous. And I'd say it spends two full chapters on how nauseous he is and how much he pukes and how (laughs) shitty his life is. And it's like, it's very Stephen King. And in this movie, you get it all in one scene, which is exactly what you need. Um, So I loved all the performances in this movie. Mm -hmm. I liked a lot more than I thought I was going to. And uh, even the shining stuff that had me worried the most, I think works really well. And I'm not going to talk about it until you guys have seen it. Because there's quite a a bit of spoiler territory to Mm -hmm. talk about. Um, well, it's good to, good to hear because I only saw like one review on Twitter. I mean, it's a very harsh review, but it was like just watch the scene from Ready Player One. Is literally what they said. Yeah. So, and, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. If you want the nostalgia for The Shining, but right. I think that there's two thirds of a movie there 
that's that's really really good that you're yeah. missing out that yeah that's so good to hear good to hear that it's also the, the good best movie. scene in Ready Player One yes but, also, but without the good movie yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah, yeah I, I and I heard other than that I've heard really good reviews about mm-hmm. it so I'm excited to see that as well so. yeah so I I really enjoyed it I can understand why Stephen King likes it and mm-hmm. the Kubrick estate also likes it yeah if you're able to get both of them to be on board you did a good job so. yeah so. I really, really, really liked it. I don't think it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It feels more like an X-Men movie, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that's kind of when Stephen King works best. You know, he is a horror writer, but a lot of his stuff is very sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So, and I think when you let him be weird, it kind of works best. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a very weird story that ends up working pretty good. So, I would, I would recommend seeing Doctor Sleep. Awesome. Then, I, then I will. Yeah. I'll do it just for you. All right. All right, now that we've crossed an hour... We, we did it. We got an hour, and now an we hour? can talk about... No one's listening anymore. <laughs> Ryan, talk about the movie that we watched. Yeah. Ryan Johnson Sember. Ryan Johnson... Ben? John Zember. John, that's terrible. <laughs> it was better than what you just said, yeah. but <laughs> we're, we're only willing. At least it's the right <laughs> not one. Right. I was just... I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we watched The Brothers Bloom. We watched The Brothers Bloom. Together, which, as a family. Yes, it is... Ryan as brothers. Jo- <laughs> is Ryan Johnson's second feature-length film. Mm-hmm. It is also, uh, I mean, Knives Out hasn't come out yet, but I'm going to take a wild uh, knife stab in the dark and say <laughs> you did. this, this is going to continue to be his um, least popular and worst-reviewed movie out of the four that he has done. Mm-hmm. All right. So I really enjoy The Brothers Bloom, but I do think it has a, it has a lot of issues, mainly... That it is a mess, totally. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree with it that. Is, the, his first movie, Brick, is one conscious thought of what if it was a noir in high, high school. school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then... Check out our Brick episode. Yeah. And then you get to this, and I don't know if he just got a lot more money or clout because of Brick. Because it's not... I mean... I recently listened mm-hmm. to his podcast that he did with Kevin Smith. I listened to those when they came out, but it's yeah. been so long ago. They're very good. And he did talk about this uh-huh. quite a bit. And it was, he, Brick was sort of a semi-hit for him. Right. And so it, basically the studios were like, oh yeah, we'll fund your next movie. What do you want to do? Mm. And he was like, I want to go to a lot of exotic locations. So, right. he, yeah, so he wrote sure a screenplay yeah. that had a lot of different locations. But he made sure that he wrote it so that it had locations where you had to go film there. Right. So they could actually go film uh-huh. there. And he they wrote, couldn't fake. And he basically said that he used it as a as a writing vacation when they weren't filming. Uh-huh. And that's when he wrote Looper and wrote some other right. screenplays too. And so I, <laughs> I really, I think more than anything, I appreciate what Ryan Johnson was trying to do with The Brothers Blue. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does it perfectly, but I think that... I just, I really admire that he he conveys the things that he is interested in, which come through very strongly in this movie, but he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily blend them very well. Yeah. But he also gets to write a story that is, is one of the most interesting takes on a con, like a heist movie that mm-hmm. I've ever seen. A con man heist movie. Uh-huh. I've never seen a movie that has... Um, any any sort of a take on it, like the con men are guys who write scripts and act out an entire play mm-hmm. for each other. Right, they're playing characters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a heist movie like that, and then for that, I I applaud it. I think it is 
at times very funny. I think it is very heartfelt. It's very quirky. Um, it is very quirky. Mm-hmm. He is unleashed. Ryan Johnson has unleashed every anything he likes is in this movie mm-hmm. in a hundred percent, which is to its detriment. I think there's a lot of stuff that I think doesn't necessarily work the way you would hope it, it does. But I can see where he was going, and having just rewatched this, granted we still have not seen Knives Out. I am probably the biggest champion of it without even having seen it. But I'd say this is probably the closest that you're going to get to the blueprint of what Knives Out mm-hmm. is going to be. Twists and turns at every point. Well, also being, trying to figure out who's... It's, it's a whodunit. Yeah. It's a heist. And it's also... There's cool sequences while also being funny. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to blend all that probably a lot better now that he's got several more yeah. movies under... Because I could see Brick being... A, I mean, it's Brick's kind of a whodunit movie, too. Yes, well, yeah. But it's a lot darker. <clears throat> uh-huh. And, it, yeah... So when I think of Knives Out, I kind of lean more thinking that Brick is going to be, it's more going to be like Brick, but just a lighter toned version of it. I don't because think so. I don't know, I didn't, didn't see that. Uh, I think it's going to be. I didn't see this movie as a whodunit movie. Well, Brother no, Blue? kind of. But I, it's, not, it's not necessarily the same thing, I but it's the, the same principle. Mo- I think the whole right. movie you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. Exactly. Yes, yeah. I and that's going to be for sure. Kentucky Fried Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> figure out who did what and a clue murder yeah. mystery. Yeah. It seemed to me like Brick was Ryan Johnson's baby. Yes. And he, you know, blood, sweat, and tears for years trying to get mm-hmm. that made. He spent a long time. I think it, they shot it over like three years or something uh, like that. And it was several years before it came out. Yeah. So, like, he got to pour over every aspect mm-hmm. of that movie. And then they were like, great. Now you can do whatever you want. And I think it seems to me like he was like, this is my chance. I may never get to make uh-huh. a movie again. So I better do everything that I like mm-hmm. in this movie. <laughs> Because who knows if I'm ever going to get another chance. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, I, you know, I can respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's what the tonal shifts and the kind of the mess comes from that. Yeah. In, in, what I, I think. I think what he does really well, and I, which will, I'm sure, again, we're talking about what we sh- we're assuming we'll see from Knives Out. But what he does really well is the unique characters. Like, mm-hmm. everyone is so unique and has their own thing like they are fully fleshed out characters yes. no matter Penel- how much Penelope was have. I just you never really understood what she like she's just so quirky and weird like she's her crashing the car everywhere she goes and just how she like learns everything just because other people do it like her character was just so quirky and weird mm-hmm. but like so well done mm-hmm. and just everybody had their own thing and I thought that um and I don't she plays Mako in Pacific Rim but you can see yes she's she's her name is Bang Bang in this movie, which is great. She's probably the best character just because she like she barely says no yeah, says barely says anything. Just how she uh, what she does with her hands and like what she does in the background is just mm-hmm. she's really great. So I just every mm-hmm. character in this I thought was really really great. But yeah, I agree that because I, I kept expecting like oh this is where it's gonna go, and then by the end I was like oh man I kind of wish it would have gone the way I was expecting it mm-hmm. to. Like I expected it to, to all be a con that. Uh, Steven was pulling uh-huh. and then it wasn't or like I kept expect right. that I expected that to be what mm-hmm. the movie was going to be that it was Steven pulling this whole huge con uh-huh. and that's not what it ended up being you make it he makes you think that for a second mm-hmm. but then that's not what so that that's where I was like oh I almost ex- wanted it's a it con to go that became real yes right <laughs> I almost wanted it to go the way I was expecting and uh-huh. I didn't like how it ended up going in it so what what <laughs> <laughs> yeah like probably three Ish years ago, I showed this. Mo- I didn't. I showed this movie to an ex girlfriend because while we were together, we watched almost exclusively movies that she wanted to watch, 
And I was like, all right, we're going to watch a movie that I like. But I knew for a fact she would not be into Brick. I thought, that would be for a later date. So I showed her this one. because. But Raymond, more... that's your favorite movie. It fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't sell that to some people. I got it. I understand. Not, not right off the bat. So I figured yeah. I'd go with more. If he's, of, maybe if she like, really movie. liked Brothers Bloom, then you could show her Brick. Right. right. Yeah. That, that was yeah. my plan. Yeah. In fact, when we got to the end of the movie and... When she realized that Mark Ruffalo was not playing around, she goes, what? <laughs> and then, like, started crying as the credits rolled. I was like, that's the perfect reaction to this movie. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have that. I was just right. like, oh, I'm just trying to catch up to what happened. Right. But I was like, I'm, I was just so giddy that someone had that reaction to yes. the movie. Because that's what Ryan Johnson wanted. And then you showed her Brick, and she broke up with you. Is that what happened next? No. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, what I also like, and... It, Makes you feel like, oh man, I'm smart. <laughs> when they he like has foreshadowing in his movies, or like uh-huh. like the blood stain thing uh-huh. that is like set up way at the beginning, and then it plays off at the very end. You're like, mm-hmm. I remember that. Fucking and it's like ace up his sleeve. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so a lot of the setup things I, uh-huh. that he has in his movie that play out actually do play out later is always fun. Like ah, that's why that would happened earlier, mm-hmm. and th- those are always fun in his movies. So it's a um, it's a movie that feels out of time and mm-hmm. out of place because you. He's so he's still so focused on the noir aesthetic of it, even though it's a movie presumably set in like modern day. There's modern cars in it, but you could also almost everything in it you could say is from like the 1940s. Yeah, yep. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a very very good writer. Yeah, he, I think that's what he excels at. Is mm-hmm. he's very good at writing. He's a writer first. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I think that a lot of people don't like The Last Jedi because that right. is a very well-written Star Wars uh-huh. movie when most Star Wars movies are B-movie fun. Right. Yeah. And Wait, the, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The Last Jedi makes you come to terms with a lot of real-world, like, things. Deep, deep yes. scenes yeah. and, like, hard-to-grapple-with ideas. It's not pew pew lasers. It's not, wow, here's the I hero. I could imagine that George Lucas wrote that on yeah. his script. He has a Tarantino editing level script. <laughs> pew pew lasers. Nine lasers. <laughs> Crossed out. <laughs> 20 lasers. Hyperspace, all caps. <laughs> Nobody tell Martin Scorsese. <laughs> but, it, it, yeah, that movie's not the hero's journey. It's mm-hmm. your heroes aren't going to save you, so you better save yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's a deep theme and something uh-huh. that a lot of people don't want to deal with or uh-huh. recognize. And mm. But it makes for a really good movie, right. a very well-written movie. And I feel like that's why a lot of people have problems with The Last Jedi, uh-huh. the best written Star Wars movie. I yeah. agree. Um, I, I think this has a similar issue that Kevin Smith had from going to Clerks to Mallrats, which... They're entirely different movies, mm-hmm. but the Mallrats is a very similar situation with another indie director where uh, they gave him everything he wanted, and all of his dialogue is just the most like Shakespearean there's dialogue. There's and, no subtlety, right? <laughs> yeah. No, and it's like everyone's talking in like verses and, and tomes, and I th- I think this and that is like the first ten minutes yeah. is just a rhyme. It's like yeah. a rhyming poem, and that is although I enjoy Mallrats. It is also Kevin Smith's most shit-upon movie from the Viewers universe mm-hmm. for that reason. And I feel like this has probably got a similar thing for me in Ryan Johnson's filmography where Brick has a very stylized dialogue, very stylized purpose. And then in this movie, it is like the dialogue that the characters have is so... I, I enjoy it, but it's very pretentious. 
They yeah. talk very long-winded paragraphs to each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I enjoy it, but it takes a lot of like catching up to be like, wait, what are we doing <laughs> half the time? And I, I, I do love this movie, and it's so funny to me that I... I was looking it up right as we started the movie where you can find this movie and it's available to stream for free in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. No one's seen it. I'm the only person who's seen this movie. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it did. It yeah, and guess who also owns it on Blu-ray? Raymond. Yeah, because <laughs> he I, owns every movie that he likes. <laughs> this is a movie I bought on the Black Friday sale. So yeah, I yeah. spent three ninety nine on this Blu-ray. Yeah. And I, it took a long time for Ryan Johnson to make Looper after this. Yeah. Because this was 2008 and then Looper was 2013. Yeah, something like yeah. that. So it was a long time. In, Granted, he in, was like 40 when they made Brick, so it's like he was going at a, a, a full clip before that night. <laughs> right. And like I mean, 35 or something, you know. It, it turned out well because yeah. Looper's amazing. Looper, Looper is, is so good. I wish we could do Looper, but we've all seen it. I mean, we also Damn talked about podcast it. name. <laughs> <laughs> we also talked about it during Brick as well. Right, yes. Um, what I also yeah. really appreciate um, it, that we <coughs> have watched Brick so recently. Mm-hmm. And then going and watching this movie, he literally throws all of his Brick references into the first five minutes. Like, all of oh, his friends are in the movie. Yeah, yeah, all of his friends are in the movie. And then we just move, we don't see those people again. But it was great to, since I've seen Brick, just point yeah. out those people. Like, yeah. JGL is just in one shot. He doesn't even move. He's nope. the only static thing in that shot. He's just literally, like, they got him to stand there. And then yeah. he is, he's a voice in Last Jedi. And he's also, mm-hmm. there's Noah Segan, I think is supposed to be, he's in... Somewhere he's a fighter pilot or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He he's canon. He has right. a full backstory. Right. Noah Segan, like I thought, the way he was set up at the beginning, I was like, oh, he's gonna show up later, later in the movie, and nope, he does not. And then the the uh, is her name Laura from Brick. Yeah, she shows She's up. In Lost, I think. Oh, I don't, oh yeah. I don't she know. they on the commentary for Brick, they talk about how like they had to do reshoots and they had to wait for like Lost filming to like to stop uh, filming the pilot and going mm. back for reshoots for the first season before they can get her back. Huh. So that might be why she only has like half of a scene. Right, yeah, because she's a very short scene for yeah. her. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really cool that you just got to see all those people and then moved on. And then does his cousin do the, the music? Yeah. music for Jason this one? Johnson. Yeah. Yep, yep. He's doing like, it for Knives Out. Yes, again. he is. He, I really like the music in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a fun time. It's a, it's a fun blend. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, uh, good old Rubius Hagrid showing up. Yeah, and you like, Robbie Coulter and I just, I love that you like aren't sure if he's in on it or not, and then you very clear that they make the, the reference that it, the ship is named after a Melville like written thing, and his name's Melville. And she points it out. She's like, "Well, hey, you, that's weird. That's weird." And then they just move on from it. Right. They, they like give a look to each other, like, "Oh, is she gonna figure this out?" And then they just move on. Yeah. So that was great, and he was great in it. Uh, he's great. And it's, it's so funny it. that like I, I love it. He's doing a French-ish accent, and yeah. it's not necessarily... Belgian. Yeah, well... Yeah, that's what he points he's out. He's like, French. I'm not French, I'm Belgian. Yeah, it's also not very good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's, like, intentionally bad, and because, like, he gets one short scene where he's doing a Scottish accent. Yeah. Like, the last scene you see of it, so it's like, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. See him in there. He gets to do a lot of, like, little mustache combing instead of twirling. Right. Yeah. And the, the point where they, like, go into his apartment and everything's gone, and he opens the closet, and he's like, you guys are early, and he, like, closes the door because yeah. he's just <laughs> hiding in the closet. So, and, yeah, and I would say that was, I think, the most fun that this movie does is, like, what's real and not real? Like, yeah. is Adrian Brody um, really falling in love with her, or is he doing it for the play that he's doing? And then is his brother acting this way because it's how they set it up or is it not? And so that was really cool to just try to figure out what's real and not real. It's a movie that has an extremely cool idea that doesn't know how to, like it gets in its own way 
with mm. the way that they end up presenting it. Mm -hmm. But the idea of this movie is so cool that I I watched it once after like I, I saw Brick and then I bought it and I watched it a couple times and at that point I was like, wait, there's another Ryan Johnson movie and it had already come out on home video at that point. So I downloaded it, I watched it. I was like, well, that was weird, but you know, <laughs> that's cool. I want to own it. And I probably bought it like four more years after mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And I haven't watched it in like another two, you know, three years since the last time I watched it. And it's good. I'm glad I own it, but it's also, it deserves the criticism it, it has. Yeah. But I have to, I'm glad I own it as like, it is an appreciation of what he attempted to do with this movie with like, Brick is clearly his baby and he spent you know, years perfecting that, and then he used the time making this movie to make Looper, which I think is a excellent sci-fi time travel noir piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the the trying to accomplish a movie that is a high concept heist movie, while also being like noir themed, also a comedy, I think is an incredibly high achievement that he just maybe missed the mark on yeah. but it's still an enjoyable watch and everyone's having a fun time doing it Mark yeah. Ruffalo is having a great time in this movie yeah. <laughs> he's great he's great in it yeah um, I I thought it was interesting that it was part of their plan to out themselves as con people uh -huh. I thought that was very interesting and it, I almost feel like it was only for the audience to make you think that they weren't planning that because otherwise yeah. I don't see any reason for them to out themselves as con artists in front of her it, to get her to not to, to go, get her to, to leave without trust, taking yeah. the money, right? That's yeah, like the right. thing, but yeah. So I thought that was, I was just like, oh, they. I thought that I was like they really only did that for us, but then it yeah. makes sense. They're like trying the, to get her to just leave. The setup is they're trying to give like she lives a very boring, sheltered life, and they're trying mm -hmm. to give her the adventure of a lifetime. Just you know, juggling chainsaws <laughs> as then, you do. Then the reveal is that it's really the you know, the story of a lifetime for not just her, but also Blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like, when peeling back the layers of that is such an enjoyable time once you figure out what is happening, because it can be hard to decipher at times. And that is part yeah. of the fun, but it can also, it also does get it in its own way at times, I think. But it's yeah. still, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then the whole, like, kid scene at the beginning. Yeah. Like, the setup It's a of, very long setup, but yes. I think it's, it's fun. It's it is very fun. Long it is a very, the, very long. <laughs> I don't know how you get very narrator heavy and then yeah. it's not narrator heavy it till the very end. Out of place, but I also yeah. don't know maybe it's cuz I, I sometimes have a poor imagination when it comes to like rewriting how you would do a movie. Mm. I don't know how you convey the concept of they draw out like a intense script to right. follow to write a, to do a con. I, don't, I, I don't feel know like how it, you do that. I wish I would have that. seen more of their cons as adults leading Before up to this one. Right. Like, if they could have shown, like, one or two of their normal cons going right, into this one. That, instead of just yes. the very last of the last one. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, which sets up the blood, which, I mean... Right. It, it was a setup thing, but I almost was, like, would have rather just seen that whole con to then, oh, this is how they do their cons, and then going into it. Right. Um, yeah. But it does set up the whole... It does really develop Bloom what he is... What he wants and what he ends up doing. So, I mean makes sense that they do I mean, it that way but it literally starts with like we're too old for this shit i'm getting out of the game and then they got like just one more <laughs> yeah, just, yeah i'll do come one, back. I'll just come one back. more and they don't they make a point that he's like you do this every time uh -huh. <laughs> you say you're out but then you come back in and then it's, it is funny because they go through that whole pantomime like thing of going like i say this and you say that and you're gonna say you're not in anymore 
but I'm gonna, you know, and all that. And then literally, 20, not even 20 minutes, like 15 minutes later, Mark Ruffalo comes to him when they're like on Montenegro, and mm-hmm. he does the whole pitch. He does the whole <laughs> yep. thing again, but yeah. as an actual conversation, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one character that felt very out of place mm. was the eye patch guy. Diamond. Dime, oh, okay. Diamond Dog. Or they the needed guy. some sort of villain. Right, but he was the guy that like trained them to do cons, uh-huh. and then they bring him back. I, I just felt like he was so he's so out of place. I think it's like, also, with this weird eye patch thing, and like, yeah. I think it also, he's like trying to play with the, like he did with Brick, he's trying to play with the cliches and the, right. like the uh, tropes of the genre, um, but it's not as, if, it's like, not fleshed out. It's not as fleshed out, and it's not as, so, as obvious of, uh-huh. we are, Poke, we are pointing these out uh-huh. like Brick was. It's right. like, so this is trying to function as a heist movie. You know, what it, what it reminds me the most of is the thing that does a parody of that. Probably one of, one of my favorite parodies of it is Tim Robbins in the Tenacious D pick of Destiny. Oh my god. Which is a very yeah. similar kind <laughs> yes, of thing. Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> Which I only made that connection just now. I was like, holy shit, that is like the same kind of thing. When uh, Jack Black is hiding on in the stall and then he comes up and he's like, I know about the pick. And then he just like poops into the toilet. <laughs> I love that movie. That movie is so funny. <laughs> yeah. No, I enjoyed it, but I, th- I agree yeah. with everything that we're saying is, yeah. is, is his weakest of his movies. Yes. I think it's a good, watching Brick and then watching this one, I think is a good setup to go and see, yeah. see Knives love, Out. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. it is good. I, I'm I glad that I didn't his, just see Star Wars and Looper to go right. into seeing I Knives love out. his Breaking Bad episodes. I love mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. I love Looper. But seeing what Knives Out is purporting itself to be, a who mm. done it clue murder mystery, it feels like Brick and... Brothers Bloom are going to be the combination that he goes with right. of like things that he's previously done mm-hmm. where he's going to like his perfect execution of them. This might be Knives Out might be his movie where he like shows here's what I was working on at the beginning of my career. Here's all that same stuff repackages one great movie. Yeah, yeah. You definitely would, here's everything that I've learned from mm-hmm. those. If you category like put his movies in a group, you would definitely put like Looper and Star Wars over here, and then those three movies yeah. and on the mm-hmm. other end here. Mm-hmm. So it's good to watch those to kind of get a backstory. Did so? Did he was Looper all him as well? Yeah, yeah. he wrote and directed. Them. So how did where does it doesn't fit in with these movies? So is it just because he wanted yeah, to yeah. do yeah, just wanted to do well, something it's also, different? Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a sci-fi theme, but it's also very noirish. Mm-hmm. He plays with those kind of oh, tropes yeah. as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's I like need to very, watch it again. I'm only seen it one, it's twice. Very, it's very much the fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> it's Looper is a great a great film, but he does more than just noir stuff. But like everything he does, he takes some noir concepts with him, which I really respect because they're not. It's not something that a lot of directors are doing with the way they write and shoot things in this time, which I think makes it very interesting. Like with the Last Jedi, it's. A lot of that kind of stuff is very noirish concepts of like nobody wins, everybody loses. It's like all very like internal conflict mm-hmm. that like that wasn't in a Star Wars movie really, and that represented yeah. in that way. Like your your heroes can be bad people, so I'm glad that that's something that he is exploring in more mainstream movies. Mm-hmm. And Poe was going off the book, put, turning his badge. <laughs> I mean, he's going rogue. Start the movie. <laughs> yeah, going rogue. <laughs> And he's wrong. Yeah. He is he wrong. Is. He is. And that's Thanks, Poe. Okay. Yeah, that's the point of the movie. <laughs> the point is that he's wrong. He has to learn that he's he wrong. He has to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Cute. Fucking idiots on the internet. <laughs> There's no good Any, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I, I, I mean, so next week we'll be doing Knives Out, and hopefully. we will... I still have to get hopefully. tickets Yeah, we, yeah, need, to we need to figure that out, but hopefully yeah. we'll next week, because these two episodes have been leading up to Knives Out. Yeah, I'm are, so excited for Knives I think Out. it technically comes out the week after. Does No? What? We planned this out. Why is this not... <laughs> oh, no, no, because... Yeah, 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 we should... Yeah, yes. we're good. We're okay. good. We plan it. We got it. We got to figure right. it out. It comes out the day before Thanksgiving, so that makes... That's our next week. Yeah. 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 Welcome to Behind the Scenes. Behind the Scenes. It's a mess. So I'm glad we watched these two movies to get you ready for Knives Out. Absolutely. I'm excited to share them with people because I try and bring them up. And they're, it's not like they're long lost forgotten movies. They're Mm -hmm. movies made in the 2000s. Right. So I'm glad I got to expose you guys to these from my favorite current working director. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is why I like this era of never seen any of this, that it's not just new movies. We're Uh, actually pulling out some movies that people may not have heard of that we like and and want to share. And it informs, like, a new movie that's coming out in two weeks. Yeah. You know, and I think these two, like, Brick and the Brothers Bloom, are going to be like, if you like Knives Out, you should go back and rewatch these movies. Yeah, it also seems like the perfect time for this type of movie to come out. Like, Thanksgiving is such a perfect time for... Mm -hmm. um, Murder mystery, whodunit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like Agatha Christie style. Like, mm. And it, it seems to be generally family friendly. It's not like a hard R. I, I mean, it's there's Chris Evans saying shit a whole bunch. Of right, but it's not <laughs> yeah. a hard. No. no. Like, you can take your adult family yeah, to go see it. It's a PG 13, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I think so. I think so, yeah. So, Fun for the whole Thanksgiving family. Yeah. And we're trying to, I mean, our, our job here is to just bring light to movies that maybe you haven't seen, like we haven't seen. So, that's ultimately what. You've got to check out know. Brick. Check out Brother yeah. Bloom. That's something what I I was hoping to do when we started this podcast. You know, mm-hmm. is you know as much as it's, I want to talk to you guys about new cool things that come out, mm-hmm. I also hope people get to go back and experience movies that otherwise, I mean, who's going to be watching this? Right? Who's going right. to be watching yeah. Brothers Bloom? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if unless we fire. put it out there and everyone yeah. listens to it, <laughs> and yeah. if there is a movie that you uh, like and you want us to talk about. Why not send us an email? Whoa. Yeah. Our email. What is it? it? What it's is a it, Gmail. It's never seen any of this pod. Oh my god. At gmail.com. Is that never seen any of this pod at gmail.com? That is exactly what it is, Raymond. Wow. And you know what else? Our what? Twitter is NSAOT pod. Right. Oh man, we don't even need Raymond anymore. We did it. I, we did <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, done did it. I'm so relieved. <laughs> We'd love to. Raymond showed, showed his favorite movies and now he can die peacefully. Yes. We'd, love, that. That, we'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah. Yes. We'd love to hear what movies you guys love and want us to watch. And maybe we haven't seen it. And maybe we have. And maybe we'll just talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, follow us all on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're I'm, on there. I put two new movies on the last week. Yay! Week. Yeah, you no, started to do I'm it. I'm actively using Letterboxd. Give us a review on iTunes. Five star it. It Apple, helps a lot. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Podbean. Podcast at Podbay. Wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. <laughs> Probably not any of those places because we're not a fine podcast, but somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. We're somewhere on there. Yeah. Wherever you can give us a review, go ahead and do it. Yeah. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, oh my good God. Good job, Look Andy. That. Wow. wow. I will probably never be able to do that, yeah. but <laughs> good job. All right. Yeah. So that is it for this week's episode of Never Seen Any of This. Next week, we're going to see Knives Out. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. We're going to let you know what we think. Got so until right. next week, I'm Andy. I'm Sammy. I'm Raymond. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.